All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Resurrection City Church. My name is Angela Hermanson, and I am probably not who you're used to seeing on stage today, but uh, I just want to offer a welcome to you if you're here with us in person this Memorial Day weekend or if you're joining us online. We are so glad that you're here. Um, so, like I said, my name is Angela, and Resurrection City Church is truly my home. I've been coming here since we started back in 2019. Um, this is a picture from our first spring retreat, and it has been truly such a privilege to grow and get to know you all, um, both those who are in this photo and many who are not who have joined us since then. Um, so for a little bit more about me, I lead the governance team here at Resurrection City. Um, the governance team is a group of five of us who um, manage the budget and some of the ethical and legal aspects of the church. So if that sounds cool to you, you're probably in the minority, um, but please come and chat with me after the service. I'd love to share more about the governance team. And if that doesn't sound cool to you, um, then just be thankful that this team is operating behind the scenes to keep our church running smoothly. So for a little bit more about me, um, this is a photo of me with my husband, Ted, um, who's here today. We got married during the pandemic, so have had a lot of quality time together during our first year of marriage. Um, I also work at 3M as a business development manager and I really enjoy checking out new coffee shops, um, going hiking, and exploring North St. Paul, which is the neighborhood we live in. So to start off today, I want to tell you a little bit more about how I came to be here um, on stage, which does kind of tie into the theme of the sermon. So uh, about a month or so ago, Julie came to me and said, hey, Angela, would you want to give a sermon sometime at Res City? And I was like, yeah, sure, sometime, sounds great. Um, but I didn't give a lot more thought to it. And then Julie asked me, hey, Angela, do you want to give a sermon on May 30th on generosity? And in my mind, I was like, well, it's summer in Minnesota. I really want to get outside. We have four weddings to go to this month. Aaron Rodgers is guest hosting Jeopardy, which means Ted's going to keep me busy watching that. So clearly I had a lot of important excuses of why I didn't want to do this. Um, but as I thought and prayed more about it, I thought about how Jesus would have responded to the question of, hey, do you want to you know, go to the cross and die for my sins? He could have said, uh, that sounds really painful. I have a lot of carpentry work to do. My fishnet just broke because I took in a big haul. Um, and, in fact, Jesus did ask if there was any other way besides going to the cross for our sins. Um, and so I was really struck by the generosity of Jesus in dying for our sins and rising again. And as I think about that generosity of Jesus, that's really why I'm here today and what I'm excited to share with you all. So today we're going to explore the generosity of Jesus and how we can live generously in our relationships with other people because God has been unbelievably generous for, um, with us through Jesus. So as you can tell from my initial story about how I came to be here today, my natural inclination is not necessarily to be generous. Um, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, just like all of us, and in constant need of a reminder of the generosity of Jesus and how he died for me and how that compels me to live in love for others. 
So with that, I would like to open us in prayer. Father God, um, I thank you for how you have sent your son Jesus to live this perfect life that I can never live, to die a death on the cross and to rise again, conquering sin and death, um, so that we could live in freedom to be generous with others around us in the here and now, and ultimately in hope of the eternal life that is to come. So I pray that the words I share today would be your words and not mine, and that you would make us a generous church here at Resurrection City. Amen. So today, we are going to use the book of 1 John as the text um, from which we'll explore the topic of God's generous love for us. So I'm going to start off with a little bit of context about the book of 1 John, if you're not too familiar with it. So 1 John was most likely written by the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, Um, and we know that because the writing style between the Gospel of John and the book of 1 John are pretty similar. So if you remember John from the Gospel of John, um, I really like him because he uh, has a little bit of pride like I think we do. He referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved, and um, he's also the one who touted his ability to outrun his fellow disciple, Peter, if you remember that story from the book of John. So I think this makes John kind of a relatable, lovable figure, um, even though he can be a little bit annoying at times. Um, So introduce John a little bit further. I want to read a quote from the Gospel Coalition that explains um, why John is somebody we should listen to. So John stood at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified, and Jesus entrusted his mother Mary to John's care. Um, John also saw, spoke with, and ate breakfast at a lakeside fire kindled by the resurrected Jesus. As Jesus' beloved disciple, he was well-suited to plumb the depths of the meaning of Jesus' coming, his life, his death, and his resurrection and eventual return. In short, John walked with Jesus in his life on earth, and um, therefore, he was changed in how he loved others. He experienced Jesus' deep love, and it changed how he lived his life. And I hope that that's what happens to us, too, as we are changed by Jesus' love for us. So John is believed to have written the book of 1 John to the church in Ephesus, which was a wealthy and influential port city, probably not terribly different from some of the cities um, we live in today. And the church in Ephesus was struggling with a belief in something called Gnosticism, which I'm not going to go into in depth because I'm only a part-time pastor. Um, But essentially... um, It seemed like the church had kind of gotten caught up in the head knowledge about Jesus and hadn't um, necessarily taken it to heart and thought about what this salvation that they had meant in terms of their life change. And so as we look at 1 John today, it's um, not going to knock your socks off with deep theology. It's uh, actually pretty, pretty basic, but it is incredibly deep in terms of its reminders about God's deep love for us, uh, his people, as shown in Jesus. And it also gets into what God's love means for our love of other people. So if you, like the people in the church of Ephesus, are struggling with how to take God's truth from your head to your heart and then to your actions in your life, Um, I think John really gets where you're at and where we're at today and will speak to us about what that means for our fellowship with God and our fellowship with other people. 
So first, let's jump into what John says about God's love. In 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And I like to think of this verse as the other less famous John 3.16, which you'll probably recall John 3.16 is, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life. And these are obviously written by the same author about the same topic of sacrifice. 1 John comes from the perspective of Jesus himself laying down his life, and uh, John 3.16 comes from the perspective of the Father giving up his Son for us. So while I'm not a parent myself, um, I have heard parents say things along the lines of, I would take a bullet for my child, or I would lay down my life for my child. But never have I ever, um, to use that fun game phrase, never have I ever heard a parent say, you know, I would sacrifice my child for all of your children. I, I haven't heard anyone say that. And yet, that's what God the Father essentially did in Jesus. He has um, given up his one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that we could experience true life. God has been unbelievably generous with us in sending Jesus to die for our sins. And that is really the foundation for what we're talking about here today. Any earthly understanding of generosity will always take one person's generosity and compare it with another person's generosity. But a biblical understanding of generosity starts with Jesus and understanding what we have been given in Christ. So if you're here today and haven't heard this message of Jesus' sacrifice, um, I encourage you to just pause and take a moment to reflect on the message of the cross. Like I I mentioned at the beginning, I love going to coffee shops, and now that I'm vaccinated, I can actually do that again. So if you want to take me up on my offer and go out to the coffee, we can talk more about Jesus' sacrifice because it is truly um, a life-changing piece of information and um, something that I I love to talk about. And if you're already following Jesus today, um, I would just encourage you to be struck anew by the selfless love of God for us in Christ and to consider that everything else we're going to say today about generosity and love for other people starts with this truth. So I'm excited to announce, I guess, that our next sermon series is on the book of Philippians um, starting two weeks from now. So, spoiler alert if you were waiting for that. Um, And I'm excited about this because we'll get to dive deeper into this idea of God's sacrifice for us in Christ and how that relates to our love of others. So I'll give a little sneak preview here from Philippians 2, um, verses 5 through 8, which says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. But rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I think this passage really beautifully connects God's love in Jesus with our love for other people. It calls us to have that same mindset as Jesus in our relationships with others. And so this brings me to my second point, which is that we can have fellowship with God in the way in which we love other people. 
So, you know how I told you I read 1 John 3.16 earlier? Well, I half lied. I um, only read the first half of John, 1 John 3.16 earlier, which said, this is how we know what love is. Uh, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's the, the really important second half of 1 John 3.16. So just as Jesus laid down his life for us, so too we are called to give up our preferences and lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And later on in John's letter, he puts a little bit sharper of a point on this message in verse, chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. He says, We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And I, I loved John's directness in this passage. I think he's uh, definitely not a Minnesotan in how he gave his feedback, um, saying, you are a liar if you don't love your brother or sister. Um, but as I looked at this passage, I thought about, you know, how would I answer the question if John asked me, what does it look like for you, Angela, to love God and to have fellowship with God? And if, if John were to ask that question to me, I think, I would think about a lot of individual activities, like maybe reading my Bible, maybe spending time in prayer, um, maybe even fasting if I was feeling a little bold. I would also think about what it looks like to love God in terms of activities I do with other believers, with all of you, like going to church or um, community group. Uh, and these are all really great things and great aspects of what it looks like to love God. But when I think about loving God, it doesn't necessarily come to me to think about giving and being generous with other people. And yet, when I read verses like the one on the screen behind me, that is what I see in them. I see how loving and being in fellowship with God directly equates with loving others according to the same reckless generosity that God loved me with in Jesus. So I want to unpack three areas of what this looks like in our day-to-day -day life in terms of what it looks like to live with reckless generosity. And in doing this, I'm going to take us back to the book of Proverbs. So at the very beginning of this wisdom series, we started in the book of Proverbs. And if you'll remember when we studied Proverbs, the, the Proverbs are poetic. They're not necessarily to be taken 100% literally but I think they give us some helpful food for thought um, as we look at what it looks like to be generous in really practical ways in our day-to-day -day life. And I'm also going to use some fun emojis for this part um, so that when you're, when you're texting later today or this week, maybe it will trigger you to remember um, the generosity of Jesus in these three areas. So the first one is um, loving others by giving of our care. And I start with the topic of care because this is something that all of us can do regardless of our life stage or our socioeconomic status. Um, and it's not something that requires, you know, a, a deep pocketbook or whatever you might think about when you normally think about a sermon about giving or generosity. And what do I mean by giving of our care? So Proverbs 17:17 17, 17 says, "A friend loves at all times." and a brother is born for a time of adversity. 
So giving of our care means intentionally turning our focus outward to the needs of others and considering how we could love others rather than focusing inward on ourselves. So if you're wondering what, what giving of your care looks like for you, um, I want to challenge you with a couple of questions. So first, do you pray about what it looks like to generously care for the people who are in your day-to-day life? Maybe that's your coworkers, maybe it's your spouse or your kids, maybe it's your neighbors living down the block. Do pray about what it looks like to care for them. And then the second half of this verse talks about a time of adversity. So my second question for you would be, who in your life do you know who's in a time of adversity right now? And what could it look like to give of your care to support them in a time of adversity? So the second way we can um, love others generously is giving of our time. I chose the nerd emoji here because I'm a total calendar nerd, and we'll get into that later. But um, giving of your time reminds me about planning your schedule, things of that nature. So that's why I chose that emoji. Um, personally, I think that giving of our time is one of the hardest things to do in our current day and age, in our current moment, with so many different competing demands on our time. And related to giving our time is giving up our plans and living with what I call living with open hands to the ways that God might be calling us to spend our time. So Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So if you're wondering whether you're loving others by giving of your time, I'll give you a couple of questions to think about with this one too. When you plan how you're going to spend your time or look at your calendar for your week, do you seek wisdom from the Lord in prayer? That was a really challenging one for me um, to think about this week. And do you allow God to change your plans when you see others in need around you? I think those are a couple of ways we can consider how we might give of our time for God's glory. And lastly, giving of our resources, my favorite emoji with the tongue out here. Um, So this could involve giving of our money, but it could also involve giving of other items or um, resources that people around us are in need of. And for this one, I want to draw on Proverbs 19.17, which says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Now, I don't choose this verse to get into a long discussion about, you know, whether we will be repaid equally for what we give or anything along those lines. But I do read it to say that we should give to the poor because we will be, um, because it's God who's calling us to do it. And he is ultimately the one who cares for all of our needs and um, who provides everything that we need and that others need. And sometimes he chooses to use us to care for and provide for the needs of others. So this verse in Proverbs makes me ask myself, you know, how much would I give of my resources if it was God who was asking me for it, rather than someone standing on the corner who I might have preconceived notions about, or a charity in my inbox? That's really challenging for me to think about as I think about my own life, um, because I know that God has given me a lot, and Um, the idea of giving of my resources is something that he calls me to, but something that that can feel uncomfortable at times. So I think with these these three um, ways of giving, giving of our care, giving of our time, and giving of our resources, 
it can be really easy to get caught up in them like they're a to-do list if you're anything like me. I tend to think of it as like, okay, I'm gonna give them my care, check, give them my time, check, give them my resources, check, move on with my day. But thank goodness Jesus did not love us with the checklist. He loved us with his whole life. And we're called to do the same for those who God puts in our path and in our lives. So at the end of John's letter, he wraps up with a more of a somber tone. So far, 1 John has been pretty happy, pretty cheery, talking about love and all this, this good stuff. But then we get to this reality check that this is actually really hard to live out in practice in our day-to-day lives. So I'm going to read from the end of John's letter, 1 John 5, 19 through 21, which says, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. And the letter actually ends right there. (laughs) There's no like, amen, there's no, you know, send hugs and kisses, just ends with the idols. So let's break this passage down verse by verse. First, we see in that first verse that we are God's children, and we know that God is a good and a loving father, and he's ultimately in control. And then at the same time, we see that we live our days on earth, which is deeply broken. And it kind of makes my brain hurt to think about both of those things at the same time, that I'm deeply loved by God and that I live in a a deeply broken world. But as I live out my everyday, I definitely feel that that's true. Next, as we move on through the passage, we see that even in the midst of this broken world we live in, we can know God and we can know truth by knowing Jesus Christ. So as we read the Gospels, like John's Gospel, and get to know Jesus better, we get to know God and what he's calling us to do, even when everything around us in the world might tell us otherwise. We also know that we have eternal life. This passage gets to talking about eternal life, and that eternal life is the greatest gift, and everything we accumulate in this life absolutely pales in comparison with the gift of eternal life. And finally, the letter ends with that abrupt warning. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. I don't know about you, but I'm probably not going to end my next letter to my grandma with that line. But, you know, John's prerogative, I guess. Um, But clearly there must be something to say here about turning from idols. So John knows that if we do not actively turn away from idols, we will never reflect Jesus in our generosity. There are just way too many other things that vie for our attention and our affection. So next I want to go back to the three aspects of generosity that we talked about earlier and dig a little deeper into what it looks like to both recognize and then also turn from idols in these three areas. So back to our emojis. Um, First, giving of our care. So I think in today's day and age, our culture places a lot of emphasis on the idea of self-care. I don't know how many times I heard the term self-care throughout the pandemic of like, make sure you're taking care of yourself. And that's definitely not an inherently bad thing. I like, you know, yoga and all that good stuff. Um, 
And it's definitely a good thing to take care of the body and the mind that God has given us. But if we worship the idol of, of self-care and place that above caring for others who God has placed in our lives, then I think what we miss what God is calling us to. He's calling us to lay down the idol of self-care and instead spend time thinking about other people's needs and in so doing also be fulfilled um, because we know that when we care for others, God also in turn cares for us. So I would challenge you to think about what it looks like for you to turn away from idols related to giving of your care and instead turn toward Jesus and what he might have for you in that. The second one is giving of our time. And so when I think about giving of our time, I think about this phrase that I hear across corporate America, um, and maybe you've heard it, maybe not, but it's the phrase of take back your day. It's kind of like a refrain to take back your day from all the things that try to eat up your calendar and take control of your schedule and It's kind of a call to feel empowered, which, again, I don't think is a really bad thing. Um, For me, it's really easy to worship the idol of being in control of my schedule. Um, In fact, I'll tell you a little story. I love Google Calendar to the point where a month or so into us dating, Ted and I went for a walk with one of my friends who knew me really well, and Ted asked, so what do I need to know to uh, date Angela, or what, what should I do? And I think the first thing she said, embarrassingly, was, well, do you have Google Calendar? <laughs> I was like, come on. Uh, I hope there's more to me than that. But anyway, clearly this was important. Thank goodness Ted got Google Calendar. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here today. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so this is, this is clearly how big of an idol this could be for me. Um, And again, I don't think managing your schedule is a bad thing, but I've really felt God challenging me recently to be more open-handed with my time and recognize that my time is not my own. I don't need to grip it with um, really intense control. And instead, I can live by a refrain of, what does it look like to give God my day rather than to take back my day? And that is much more freeing than trying to take back my day. So I would encourage you to think about, maybe it's not Google Calendar for you, but maybe it is um, just considering what it looks like to give God your day every day. And finally, um, giving of our resources. So what does it look like for us to turn away from idols in how we give of our resources, um, financial or otherwise? And I guess one thing I've been learning a lot through the pandemic, maybe spending more time online, is just how incredibly easy it is to spend money right now. Um, Amazon gives me that horrible one-click buy button that makes things appear magically at my doorstep. And as I scroll through Instagram, sometimes I think I see more ads than, than regular posts. Um, and meanwhile, it's actually kind of easy to tune out the needs of the people around me. Uh, I've noticed, especially working from home during the pandemic, if I don't drive past the homeless shelter in my city, it can be really easy for me to forget that there are people who don't have a warm home or a cool home in the summer um, like I do. And if I don't um, 
turn on the news or invite things into my inbox that share about people in need around the world, it could be really easy for me to forget that there are things going on outside of the Twin Cities metro area. And um, so I think perhaps the turning from the idol of money in our day and age today might look like just making it easier to see the things that reflect the need around us and making it harder to spend money on things that help us worship the idol of materialism or convenience. Maybe for me it's uh, deleting the Amazon app off my phone and instead choosing to spend time reading the emails from the missionaries I support and thinking about how I could um, share God's love with them by giving of our, our resources. I think for us in today's uh, day and age, it means purposely putting ourselves in places where needs exist and then allowing God to change our hearts as we get to know people who are in need and share the resources that God has given us to steward. Meanwhile, making it harder for ourselves to feed the idols of convenience and materialism that are present everywhere um, if we're looking for them. So you know what idols you tend to turn to. Maybe for you it's uh, resources or um, worshiping the god of money or comfort. Maybe for you it's your time like it is for me um, and trying to control your schedule instead instead of letting God take control of your day. Um, I don't know what it is for you, but uh, I encourage you to take time to pray about what that might mean for you. And just ask God what aspects of generosity he might be calling you to lean into more. And as you do that, I encourage you to talk about that with your community group. um, And seek accountability for those idols you turn to and accountability for turning back to Jesus instead. Um, And if you're not in a community group or you just heard me say community group and you're wondering, you know, what that is... Um, A community group is a way to get to know other people in the church, to dig into God's word together, and then to practice in real life community what it looks like to live out God's love. And so if you're not in a community group, feel free to reach out to me. I think community groups are the best, um, and so I would love to talk more with you about that. And on the note of community groups, I want to wrap up with a little shout-out to my community group friends, Andrew and Rachel Kawasaki. Um, For those who don't know Andrew and Rachel, they're in the back, and they're going to hate me for doing this, but I don't care because they're moving tomorrow. Um, So Andrew and Rachel have been at Res City for about a year now, and like I said, today's their last Sunday at Res City because they're moving to Memphis. Um... And Andrew and Rachel have taught me a lot about what it looks like to live out the abundance of Jesus' generosity to them in how they live their everyday lives. Um, These guys joined Res City about a year ago, and they knew that there was a very high likelihood they'd be leaving town. And yet they chose to live generously with their time and their care by serving on the welcome team and the AV team with the, the short time they had here. And I don't highlight Andrew and Rachel to uh, put them up on a pedestal or claim that they're better than any of the rest of us, but rather to offer a tangible example of what it might look like to live in fellowship with God out of our generosity that he has given us, and so um, live in love for others. And so for those who don't know, they are moving to um, Memphis for—sorry, my mic— 
got hit there, for a Christian dental residency. Um, and I just want to read how that residency describes itself because I think it's a really tangible example of what we're talking about today. So they say, the CMDA dental residency trains and equips dentists to provide excellent dental care to the poor, domestically and internationally, in response to the call of Jesus to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. And so Andrew and Rachel are choosing to move to Memphis and to give up a potentially lucrative dentist salary in private practice and instead give to the poor with their resources um, in, in doing this next adventure. And so again, I share these stories just as an example for us um, and as an encouragement for Andrew and Rachel. We've really enjoyed getting to know them during their time here. But ultimately, as a reminder that... God calls us to live in fellowship with him in how we choose to love others. God gave up absolutely everything for us in Christ. He died on the cross and he rose again. He sacrificed his one and only son so that we could have fullness of life, both in the here and now and in the eternal life that's to come with him in paradise. And so next, we're going to move into a time of communion, um, which is a time to reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us, the body that he was broken and the blood that he shed. And it's a time for us to reflect on how we can reflect God's generous love for us in how we turn away from idols and turn toward others in love this week and generosity. So with that, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your abundant and lavish generosity. We thank you that you gave your entire life for us when you gave up your son, your one and only son, Jesus Christ. We know that we can never repay you for this and that we absolutely don't need to. And instead, you invite us to be generous with those who you place in our paths, sharing of our care, sharing of our time, and sharing of our resources. We pray that you would guide us and lead us in your ways of what this looks like as we leave this place today, Lord. Give us strength to turn away from the idols that try to hold us back, and instead help us turn from those idols and turn toward you, God. We pray that you would bless our friends Andrew and Rachel to share your generous love with their new community in Memphis, and we pray that you would also bless us here, Lord, at Res City as we seek to share your love with our community in St. Paul um, and the surrounding areas and with the world. We love you, Lord. Amen.